0: Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're gonna jump into this week's message, but before we do, I wanna encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We wanna stay connected, so another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out, we wanna meet you get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message.
1: All right. Um, Hey, I just want you to know right up front, Um, we, we try our best to make environments available for your children, uh, in the kids ministry. And, uh, if you have a a child, uh, today would be a good day to have them uh, next door and I'm not, I'm not going to be vulgar or anything. I just, I just, it's, it's good to have the kids in environments that we create for them on purpose that are designed to, to help your kids get close to Jesus. Uh, also so we can talk to the grown-ups, like grown-ups, all right? Um, and the reason I say that is we're in the middle of a, a collection of messages, well, we're actually the second service of a collection of messages um, out of the this book in the Bible that is called the Song of Solomon. It's found in what's called uh, the, the wisdom literature, so there's a, a portion of Scripture. Your Bible's divided into a bunch of different sections, um, mainly by genre, and, and the wisdom literature... Uh, contains several books that are all about um, wisdom for for life, wisdom to to live in life, and this this book is the Song of Solomon. It's a, it's a book that's all about uh, sex, relationships, and uh, and romance. That's what this book is about, and so I, I say that to say uh, you got plenty of time to get your kids over to the kids' church. If... <laughs> um. My my wife was encouraging me to change the message a little bit. I was like, No, no, no. Let's just get more kids in the kids church. <laughs> I don't have time to change it. Okay, <laughs> here's the ground rules for today's message. Thank you. <laughs> um, and um, hopefully, hopefully they have room over there. And some of you are paying attention. That's great. Uh, hopefully they have. If if they don't, I will. If I see you come back in with kids, I, I will I will adjust a little bit. Uh, I just um, uh, I want to make sure that you're you're giving as much. Uh, Honor as a parent as we can um, here 's some ground rules for today. Are you ready? Okay, ground rules are this. number one, uh, I, I want you to listen to this sermon and in fact, to all the sermons in this series for yourself. No side eye in the person next to you he 's talking to you none of that listen listen for yourself. The next thing I would say is this let 's listen to all of these messages, including this one. Uh, with a lens for the future, not a lens from the past. What I mean is, if we're not careful, we will hear these types of messages about what the Bible says about sex, relationships, and romance. And, and we will think that, like, I've already messed up, my, my life is ruined. And that's not the case at all. Um, God has a great plan for your life, a great purpose for your life, and uh, and my hope is that maybe through this you'll gain some tools or some framework for where to aim your life with God. And, uh, and I'm just believing that He's He's for you; He's not against you. Okay. So so this is not a shame. Shame. This is a hope for tomorrow. Okay. You got that? <clears throat> um, the next thing I want to say is this: I hate dating. I hate it. I hate dating. Um, and uh, I always hated dating growing up, probably because I'm, I tend to be a bit of an awkward person. And uh, I, 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 just, I just am kind of awkward. I, I think dating is dumb. I think it's really dumb. The whole process is just really dumb. And for some of you, I, um, my heart goes out to you because I know that you might be, uh, you might be looking for love, like single and ready to mingle. And uh, you might be in your 20s, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, looking for love um, and, 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 and searching. And that's just not an easy spot to be, especially when you get tired of feeling left out. When, 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 you, when you just... You just can't stand to see one more fri- friend, you know, post on Instagram with a ring on their finger. Like, it's just like, I don't care about your ring. Like, I want my own ring. You know, to see them coming to church and, like, the, the wing, the, the, they're, like, they're just pretending that rock is just so heavy they can't even raise their hand in worship, you know? They're like, oh, Jesus, so heavy, so heavy. It's, it's like, ah, it, maybe it feels like you're, um, and I don't mean this in a, in a I'm not, I actually don't mean to be funny with this, but like maybe you feel like uh, your life has been more like the the baggage claim of the Boise airport and like the bag that just doesn't seem to get picked up. And you've seen other bags get picked up and you're like, I want my bag being picked up. <laughs> and what makes it even worse is when you go to someone else's wedding and, and you're trying to smile, you know, and then there's, there's like grandma or somebody sitting next to you and they're like, you know, at the end of the wedding, they're like, hey, you're next. You know, and they. I would just encourage you next time you're at a funeral, like, lean over to them and be like, hey, that's about to be you. Lord, forgive me. I just. I just really, I really hated dating. I hated it. I, I was, I was not, I was not the greatest at dating. But I think the reason I really don't like dating is um, I just think that like dating isn't working. Like what is normal in our culture is not working. Can we, can we just be honest that like it's, it's not, it's not producing the kind of results that we want for our hearts. And um, I think it's important to note that like the American model of dating. That didn't really begin until the 1920s. It's this this new idea of of, of American culture, this dating idea. It's about 100 years old. And and can I just tell you that I I genuinely believe that, that God knows more about relationships than the Kardashians or Chris from The Bachelor. I I just really do. Because what's going on, the way we're dating in America right now, it's just not producing long-term great results. It's really not. Uh, My wife and I are coming up on 20 years uh, of marriage. I know. I know. She's a lucky girl. (laughs) But but what, what frustrates me, it doesn't frustrate me, it just breaks my heart then I know that that's, that's becoming more and more unusual. And my hope for you is that you would have God's best for you. Like I really, I really think this can be the best area of your life if, if you just allow God to shape the way you think about it a little bit. The, the modern idea of dating looks like this. Like boy uh, meets girl on an app or at a bar. Uh, boy or girl invite other boy or girl out to... Uh, um, out to dinner, they, they they go to his place or her place, um, they fool around, they they sleep together, um, th- and then they they decide that after that they're like, well, we should probably get to know each other. So they, they start to get to know each other a little bit, and, and, and until the the boy meets new girl or the girl meets new boy, and then they they. Go to, go to go to eat together. Go home, fool around, and then decide to get to know each other. And this this cycle just keeps going un, until we get to the spot where a boy meets really special girl, and girl meets really special boy, and then they get married, and that's really good until boy meets new special girl, or girl meets new special boy, and then the cycle just keeps repeating, and it's it's just ripping. Homes apart, and it's ripping hearts apart, and it's not God's best for us. Let me say it like this. We play like we practice. What I mean is, is the way you practice determines how you play. So I, back years ago, I used to coach rock climbing. That was like a lot of this ago, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> but I used to coach rock climbers, and and I would coach them. Uh, when I did, I I, I would train uh, uh, up until failure. I wouldn't train un- I wouldn't train to fail. So what I mean is, in climbing, you, you you get to a point where your your grip gives out, or where your arms your strength gives out, and a lot of climbers try to get better by. Climbing at their max difficulty constantly, and what they don 't realize is they 're training their brain to to release the fingers and they 're climbing at their max, but their, fa- their failure failure becomes part of climbing for them and so the way we would train kids was we would have them right below their level of, of failure so that they could they could learn that they could hold on to things longer than they think they can I, I would just say let's let's do the same thing for marriage because. I know we're talking about dating, but it, but it's it's quite true that that really the way we date nowadays it, it really trains us how to break up more than it trains us how to stick together. We get really good at, at training to find someone new, to be able to, to move on, to have lack of commitment. And I just say I, I want to be somebody that, that that practices like like I plan to actually play, and so. <clears throat> um, when you hear a message like this, you might be thinking, like, this fear of, uh, are you saying, preacher, that I need to find one person for the rest of my life? That sounds really boring and painful. And my question to you is, look around you at the people that aren't doing that and tell me they're having a great time. Tell me their life is simpler. It's hard. It's it makes it harder when we don't have longevity. And, I'm not, and I know there's people in the room that have experienced uh, um, s- stopping soon in, in relationships. I, I'm just saying, like, let's, let's practice the way we want it to work out. Okay. At this point, I, I usually have the, um, the contingent within the Christian church that, that wants me. They're like, okay, I get it, preacher. You're against dating. You're for courting. And I just want to say, like, the 1800s called and they want their word back. (laughs) They're always trying to split hairs between dating and courting. Basically, courting is dating the biblical way, where you're trying to get to know somebody intellectually, emotionally, and socially before you get to know them physically. That's how we're supposed to be anyway. And we don't need to use super old-fashioned words because we're making young people think you're out of your mind because you're using a Victorian-era word. Okay, either way, either way, dating's the worst. It's the worst. Okay, because ultimately, my hope for you is that you would do things differently now so that in the future, your life could be different. This is a financial quote. It comes from Dave Ramsey, but I think it applies to relationships. He says this, if you will live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. I'm telling you, if you want to have a really healthy marriage, you need to have a really healthy dating life. It matters. And this isn't just for young people. This is for older people and maybe people that have already gone through divorce and you're trying to re love. I'm telling you, if you want it to be different, you have to choose now to live differently than others so that in the future you can live differently than others around you. And I can just tell you, as someone who is, who's done it, and I would say we're doing pretty good, like it's worth doing things different. It's worth it. And so we're in the book, uh, it's called The Song of Solomon, and in The Song of Solomon, it's about uh, a young man and a young woman uh, who fall in love, and it kind of sh- follows the journey of their relationship. It starts with uh, the boy and the girl meeting, uh, they, they fall in love, they get married, they have sex. They fight, they have makeup sex. It's in your Bible. And, <laughs> and today we're going to talk about the portion that's up there a little earlier, which is where uh, they date. You guys ready? So this is where they're dating, and here, here's what it said. And I would stop and I'd say this, just for all my married people in the room, you're like, oh, we're talking about date? I don't need that. Actually, uh, the same thing that starts a healthy relationship is the same thing that keeps a healthy relationship. It's the same thing that makes a dysfunctional relationship healthy, yeah. is if you go back to the way it's supposed to start. And so, like, if you're struggling right now, I would say pay attention. So here we go. It's, uh, in, this, uh, in this dialogue, there's a, a boy and a girl speaking. And last week, we ended with basically, she's, she's saying, where are you? How do I find you? And this is where we pick up in Song of Solomon 1, verse 8. She says, or he says to her, he says, If you don't know, O oh most beautiful woman, Follow the trail of my flock and graze your young goats by the shepherd's tent. I, I love this, this book of the Bible because it's like, we're talking about romance, but we're talking about sheeps and goats. It's, <laughs> Here's the deal. It, it, this is literal. They're, they're actually talking about shepherds, but this book is full of simile and metaphor. So it's word pictures for what's going on. Like, there, there's a lot of word pictures in here that you'll see. Like, like one is, he compliments her and he says, your hair is like a flock of goats. That's 3,000-year-old game right there. <laughs> Fellas, listen to me. Listen to me. You're going to have to do better. <laughs> Level up, okay? Level up. He, he tells her, says, he says, Oh, most beautiful woman, follow the trail of my flock and graze your goats by the shepherd's tent. What's interesting is, is she is the one pursuing him and some people get really weird about this about you know rules are rules like guys supposed to be the only in, in this case she's going after him I, I would say it's less about who chases who it's it's more ab- ab- about like them sitting there and he he's like hey like i got sheep you got goats like you know we met on shepherd.com like like <laughs> why not like, like like it's about a mutual uh, shepherds only right like so, so they they, <laughs> they, they, they they're, they're, meeting, they're meeting on this, um, this place of mutual respect, like mutual pursuit towards each other. And that's the key. It's not, it's, matter, it's not a matter of who chases who. It's a matter of that there's reciprocity, give and take, that they're both pursuing. You don't, don't want to be the one that's in a relationship where you're chasing them down constantly. If that's the case, then you're more committed to it than they are, and that is a huge red flag. You need to be with somebody that there is a, there's a mutual chase, a mutual pursuit going on. Not, not trying to be in love with somebody that isn't pursuing you at the degree that you need. If that's the case, you need to move on. It means they don't want what you want. If you feel like you're the only one chasing, then guess what? You're the only one chasing. And love is not a one-player game. I I, I would say it like this, like, like... it's got to be this mutual pursuit, but, but men, listen to me, and this goes for women too, like don't, sign, don't send mixed signals. Like if they're pursuing you and you, you can tell that they like you and they're pursuing you, then, then you got to be careful with the signals you're sending. If you're not interested, don't act like you're interested, somebody. I'll say it like this. If you're dating someone... And you are the only one uh, that is interested. That's not good. <laughs> let me say it like this. It, 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 let, me, let me rephrase. If you're, the one, if you're dating someone and you're not interested, then you have a responsibility to break it off. Like it, it's only human for you to say, guess what? This, this needs to stop. It, it, it needs to stop. But preacher, if I did that, it would devastate them. Okay, hold on. I, if you actually care about them, if it was me, I would really hate to date someone who has already broken up with me in their heart. So if you, if you have like a shred of concern for them, you need to make it clear. All right. There's some moms in the house that need to be amening me a little better than that. All right. <laughs> Okay, so let me, get, let me give some, so I'm going to push a little harder, okay, this is, my job as a preacher is not to tell you all the things that make you happy. My job is to be a little bit of a contrarian. Um, in fact, it would be to be, a, some theologians would say that the role of a pastor is to be a naysayer. Nay. Let me say it like this. A single man and a single woman who are not interested in each other don't go to movies together. That is so old-fashioned. Yeah, but guess what your friends are saying behind your back? They're saying that you're on a date. That's what your friends are saying. And then you're like, why would you think that? Because you went on a date. (laughs) But I don't like it. It's a date. Let me say it like this. like A married man does not go to the movies or to dinner with the woman that is not his spouse. That's a date. That's a date. What what happens is when you find someone you love, you, you begin to flirt with them. That's what's going on with this couple. She's saying, "Where you at?" He says, "I'm over here." That's what's going. they flirt and the flirting. It's like when I met my wife. She was talking to this lo- this this other guy, and <laughs> and this fool asked me. He said, "Hey, I want to take this girl on a date to San Francisco. Can you drive us?" And I was like, "What you mean is you don't have a job or a car?" She's mine, sucker. Like. Yeah. I won. <laughs> so, what's going on in this relationship is they're regarding each other. This is the first step. When you're, when we're talking about dating or courting or whatever you want to call it, the biblical idea of getting to know someone you're not married to begins with this: regarding them. You, you have this mutual like eyeball for each other. If you know French, "regarder" to see, like it, we're, we're 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 seeing each other. We're like, oh, I. I see you and you see me. This, this couple is flirting. Next verse. <clears throat> you guys ready? It says, uh, verse 9, You are as exciting, my darling, as a mare among Pharaoh's stallions. <laughs> 3,000 years old. Um, what's going on here is, is some, some theologians would say that she is probably Egyptian. Um, and that's why he would bring that up. It's, it's possible. It uh, doesn't really matter. The point is that in Pharaoh's army, just like any ancient army, they would have a horse breeding program. That's how you get enough horses for your army. Uh, but in, in the case of Pharaoh, and we know this through antiquity, that Pharaoh's army reserved white horses for Pharaoh alone. No one else was allowed to ride a white horse in the Egyptian army other than Pharaoh. So what would happen is, if you were watching a parade... Or if you were on the battlefield facing the enemy and one of those horses is white, you know that Pharaoh himself is in the parade or in the war. Like he stands out. And what, what he's telling her is like, when I walk into the room, you're the only one I notice. When, when I walk into a room, you, you stand out like you are unusually, like you stand, you're, you're amazing. When, 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 when you're in the room, everyone notices you. That's what he's saying. <clears throat> He then tells her this. He says, How lovely are your cheeks? Your earrings set them afire. How lovely is your neck, enhanced by a string of jewels? He knows how to compliment a woman. He's not saying you got nice jewelry. What what he's complimenting is her cheek. And he uses her earring to talk about her cheek. He says, you've got great cheeks. Those earrings just make them light up. He's saying, your neck is amazing. And it's only enhanced by that jewel. The the jewelry isn't the cool part. Your neck is. It's like when I look at my wife and I'm like, girl, you got nice shoulders. I love love that 1980s blazer on you. (laughs) It's like, She's all walking around like she's. (laughs) I love you. Let's just get away from the shoulder pads. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All right, here we go. Here we go. So now she's going to talk. So she's responding. She, She says, My lover is like a sachet of myrrh lying between my breasts. I just said that in church. It's in your Bible. She says, he is like a bouquet of sweet henna blossoms from the vineyard of En So En is a portion of Israel that is very mountainous and very deserty. Imagine the Owyhee Mountains, but a little more rocky, but the same idea. She's saying, she's saying two things. You are like a sachet of, of, of sweet smells lying on my chest. And you're like a vineyard, uh, a henna blossoms around a vineyard. So what, ha- what we're talking about there, about the sachet of sweet myrrh on her chest, what we're talking about is an ancient culture that didn't have running water and, you know, soap. Di- they didn't have dial soap. Like, they didn't have all that. And so what they would often do is they would have things that smell good that kind of offset the not-so-great smells. She's saying, like, you just, you just kind of, like, make a room smell better. You, you, just, you just make everything better. But then she also says, you're like henna blossoms around a vineyard in the desert. And what she's saying is that, so, so like in their culture, we're talking about vineyards, not huge, vast vineyards like we have in Marsing, where they're long, like massive vineyards. She's talking about like like, personal. Families would have their own vineyards. So one family would own their own vineyard. It's how they got their own wine. It was also a way that they would produce finances. Like, it was a, a personal family run. They could manage it. But the way they would create borders around their vineyards is they would have hedges of thorny, thorny plants, like henna blossoms. So henna would border the vineyard to protect it from people on the outside and keep the things on the inside safe. So what she's saying to him is this, you're like, you're like a, a border that protects the vineyard of my life. Remember last week she said this, I was so busy taking care of everybody else's vineyards that I didn't take care of mine. And now she's telling him, but even though I didn't take care of my vineyards, you're the kind of man that will protect my vineyards. She's saying I respect you. She's saying, more importantly, I recognize that you respect me. You're not trying to get at my vines. You're trying to protect my vines. They, they have this point where it's now, it's moved from recognizing each other to her saying, you're like a hedge that keeps, protects me from erosion and it protects me from people trying to steal my vines. You respect me. If you want a healthy relationship, it must be built on respect. And respect doesn't happen when you give it up the first night. Respect happens, like this may be old-fashioned, respect happens when you say, not until I'm married. Young people, old people, everybody in between. I'm just saying, that's how you get actual respect, is when you respect yourself and say, no, if you're going to be with me, you're going to be like a hedge that protects my vineyard. You're not trying to... Squeeze my grapes. <laughs> so stupid, I'm sorry. She says <laughs> she says this. She says, You are so handsome, my love. You're pleasing beyond words. She's saying, I I, I enjoy being around you. Like, I, I really value you. I respect you. There's a deep friendship that's building. It goes on. She says this. She says, The soft grass is our bed. Fragrant cedar branches are the beams of our house. And pleasant smelling firs are the rafters. What she's saying is, We have not moved in yet together. But guess what? Wherever you are, that's my mansion. She's saying, I feel at home with you. I, I, I feel safe with you. I feel secure with you, I, I, I'm, still, I'm still on the journey towards getting, getting married and getting together. But, but at this point, I've already come to a place where like, I deeply respect and value this thing. I feel at home where you are. And then she goes on, and this is actually beginning chapter 2. And you'll see this in your Bible a lot. So we're ending chapter 1 and going into chapter 2, but it's the same thought. And, and the reason is because the verses and the chapters of your Bible, they were all added later. By a French monk. So the verses and chapters don't actually determine the, the line of thought. the text does. The verses and chapters are just to help us find the same spot quickly. That's all. And so it's going to continue this, this romance that they're having, it's going to continue. In verse one of chapter two, she says, "I am the spring crocus blooming on the Sharon plain, the lily of the valley." In many other translations, it would actually say it like this. I am the rose of Sharon. I'm a rose of Sharon. What it is, it's actually not a rose. This is why this translation, it's a newer translation, it it, it takes out the word rose. It's actually a hibiscus plant that we're talking about. It's this right here. Um, She's saying, that's what I am to you. I am the rose of Sharon. Sharon's a plain, it's it's this plain with a a unique hibiscus plant that grows there, and in antiquity it was special because it was, number one, it was rare, and because it was considered the most beautiful plant in antiquity. So when you found the rose of Sharon, you you valued it because it was unique and it was rare. She's saying to him, "I, I recognize that I am rare to you. I'm not just like every other. I, I, I'm not common to you. I'm, I'm special and unique. I, I'm, I'm, I'm different. She says, when I'm around you, I feel beautiful, is what she's saying. And you see this, right? Like, last, if you were here last week, you would know that that's not what she said. Last week, she said, don't look at me. I'm ugly. And this week, she says, when I'm around you, I feel like the rose of Sharon. I, I, I feel like this beautiful, it's not nearly as pretty in this t- text as the spring crocus. Like, <clears throat> but she's saying, I feel like this beautiful flower when I'm around you. A healthy relationship should completely transform the insecurity in her. I, I really believe that every woman deserves to hear that, that they're beautiful. And I'm saying, man, don't go around telling all the women. that. I'm saying she needs somebody in her life that does that. Like, like, she she needs somebody in her life that pulls out the beauty in her and is like, no, no, you are incredible. You are incredible because this world will, will constantly bombard the woman sitting next to you telling her that she's not good enough. And I'm just telling you, man, if if you want her to be healthy in her relationship, she needs to know she's beautiful. And not just physically attractive. Like, like attractive. Like, my wife, I, she makes me laugh so much. She's so fun. Like, we have a great time together. But like, I... I don't even like it when another dude makes her laugh. I'm like, you shut up. You're not funny. <laughs> I'm the one that tells her she's the Rosa Sharon, right? Like like it's this this is important. <clears throat> Women. Do not settle. Do not settle for a man that doesn't make you feel like a rare, beautiful flower. You're worth more than that. <clears throat> he goes on. Uh, 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 so this is, this is her speaking. She says, this is him right here. It says, uh, like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. He's, he's saying you, you are this beautiful plant and the rest of them are all weeds. He's like, you're amazing. They're all trash. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. they like, yeah, all just jump. and <clears throat> then, then she jumps back in. She says, like the finest apple tree in an orchard is my lover among other young men. I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. What she's saying is very similar where he says, The rest of them are all thorns. You're the only only lily. She's saying, the rest of those trees don't matter. Only one of them gives me shade. She's saying, when I'm around you, I feel protected. I feel secure. I feel safe. She's saying, when I'm around you, I don't feel afraid. I don't feel insecure. and, 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 And I feel like I'm in a safe environment when I'm around you. Men, you must make sure. Like, yes, you are physically bigger. Great job. You have different genes. But men, how dare you make your spouse, your girlfriend, your daughter, your mother afraid of you because of the size of your body. Men, we do not hit, push, or shake a woman. Woman, if he hits, pushes, or shakes you, listen to me, he is forfeiting his right to have you in his life. There are more than one ways to break a marriage vow, and they're not just all sexual. This is why, as a, as a preacher, I love, I love, like, the traditional wedding vows, I love them because I feel like they include things that need to be in there. Like, I'm good with the custom vows, they're fun. Like, I just think it's unrealistic when somebody's like, I will bake you chocolate chip cookies every day of your life. You're like, nah. (laughs) Like, there's gonna be a day when you're like, no, you're getting raisins. (laughs) But those traditional vows, they say this to, to love and to cherish. I think that's important. I think that's important, men, that we love and cherish, and we, and, and you may have crossed boundaries in this area before in your life. I'm saying you, you've got to get men in your life to know about it and that can hold you accountable. You've got to change that. You've got to change that because that is, that is unfaithful. <clears throat> I annoy my wife, but she's not afraid of me. I promise you, she's not afraid of me. <laughs> That girl ain't skirt. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Next person. (laughs) She says, he escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. So she's saying, number one, this is in public. This is other people can see that he loves me. And she says, it's obvious how much he loves me. This is a translation tool called a dynamic equivalent, okay? That means they're taking the thought... Not the actual words, they're taking the thought and translating it to English so we can understand what that thought means. Because the, the original text doesn't say, it's obvious how much he loves me. It says, his banner over me is love, which makes no sense to us. But I'll explain it to you so you can see how the translator would say, it's obvious how much he loves me. His banner over me is love is this, in, in ancient times when a general would march into war, they, 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 they didn't have comms, they don't have radios. So the way they would communicate is with flags. These flags were called banners. So she's, so they'd march into battle with this big banner that, that tells, that declares what, what the, the, the unit is called, what the army is called, or, or, or calling them to attention. And she's saying, like, over my life, you hold this giant banner, and it says, Ahava, it says, love. She's saying it's obvious to everyone around. We're in public in the banquet, wedding, the wedding banquet. Everyone around, everyone around, sees that you love me. Your banner over me is love. It's obvious to everyone around that you love me. In public, you love me. Uh, During this message, I I did some uh, some deep uh, research on Google. And I was giving like, like like the lyrics of the top songs right now. If you have children, right now is the time to plug their ears. If, 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 if he is like feeding his mind with songs, man, I'm just telling you, like if you're feeding your mind with songs that say things like, she's my hoe, she's a dog, she's a bitch, talking about how she needs to give you oral sex, how you're going to like, that's not a banner of love. That's a banner of, I get what I want from you. I use you for my pleasure. You mean nothing to me. That's what that means. I'm telling men, you, it's, men, grow up. Grow up. That's the kind of music I like. Then learn a different kind of music because the banner over her must be love or you're going to get the same results you're already seeing. women, don't put up with that. Don't allow them to talk about you like that. And and, and I'm just telling you, like, what, what we're doing is not working, people. It's not working. The banner that the man puts over the woman has to be love. It has to be love. It, it cannot be anything else. Have you guys seen um, Titanic? Remember at the end of Titanic when Rose is, like, on the pallet and... And, and, and Jack is like hanging onto the pallet. <laughs> and in the morning, like he, he's dead. So messed up because there was room. <laughs> there, was, there was room. <laughs> but hear me, celebration men. We drown. Celebration men, in that case, doesn't matter, we drown. Even if the director didn't realize there's enough room. (laughs) She's the one that the banner is love. We don't climb on top of the pallet and let her. We drown. Okay, celebration men, say it with me. We drown. We drown. 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 Okay. (laughs) I'm helping somebody's marriage right now. What he's saying is this. Watch, Watch how I honor her. Watch how I honor her. Watch how, 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 you know, like... Men, is the way that you look at other women honoring your wife? Is what you do with your cell phone honoring your wife? Is, is the way you stand next to her honoring? It? Do you ask her a... Like, do you value her mind when the kids complain about a decision mom made, do you, do you contradict her or do you stand with her, even if you disagree? I'm just telling you, in our house, like our kids know, like there's a couple things you don't do. And one of them is you do not raise your voice at mama. Want to know why? Because that girl's my girlfriend. <laughs> like before you were ever born, like before you were a twinkle in my eye, I was with her. We don't raise voice at mama. I'm going to honor her. I'm going to honor her. When, when you disagree with her publicly, do you, do you make it this weird, awkward moment? And we all do it sometimes, but, but we got to learn to catch ourselves and be like, no, I'm going to choose that the banner over her is love. Because ultimately, men, you can be right, or you can be happy. <laughs> all right, so here we go. Here. I'm, try- I'm trying. Okay, here we go. So we sh- Somebody's like, are you nervous about preaching about sex? No, I'm having a lot of fun. Okay, so so they regard each other. They're seeing each other. There's that that initial regard. There's a respect that's developing. She's saying the banner over me is love. And and then the natural progression is there's going to be this romance thing. Romance. She says it like this. She says in verse 5, strengthen me with raisin cakes, 3,000 years old, ref, ref, refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love, oh, I'm so weak with love, she's saying, bring me a snack, <laughs> like, and this is her talking, this is not him being like, make me a sandwich, this is her, this is her saying, bring me snacks, but what's interesting is when she says raisin cakes, there's, there's meaning there. Like, there, there's meaning. And, and the, the meaning is, in, in ancient Middle Eastern culture, uh, the, these small fruits that are, like, full of seeds like this, this was considered an aphrodisiac. So you're, like, you're like got the crunchy of all the seeds in there. It's supposed to be this aphrodisiac. She, she's saying, like, break out the blue pills. That's what she's saying. Well, I don't know about that, preacher. That's a little far-fetched. And then she says, she, she says, refresh me with apples. The word apple there, it doesn't mean like apple. It means any fruit that is red and is full of seeds. So there's a little bit of an innuendo going on. And well, that's still not convincing me, well, let's go to the very beginning of the verse where she says, strengthen me. The Hebrew word there for strengthen me doesn't mean help me work out at Planet Fitness. <laughs> it means lie on top of me. This is a dating couple and they're about to go too far. She says that she says she says lie on top of me with the blue pill. I want fruit that's full of seeds. She says I am weak with love. Okay, like this is the coolest verse in the Bible. She's saying I want that apple pie. But remember she's talking to her boyfriend. She's she's saying, I want you on me with an aphrodisiac. I want to have sex with you. That's what she's saying. Last week, we talked about the most important thing in attraction is character. It's about the holiness of someone's life. This week, we're seeing that in the dating relationship, if we're not careful, this thing called romance and dating will quickly make a shortcut from holiness to horniness It goes on and it says, his left arm is under my head and his right arm arm embraces me. He's holding her like this. This is foreplay. My wife is like, stop it, you're antagonizing me. I'm like, this is foreplay. Stop antagonizing me. That's what's going on. I would say this, at this point in the sermon, there there are some people that, that you're just like, I don't know what this has to do with anything. Listen, listen, some people don't want to talk about sex in church because if God actually talks about sex, then that means he's the God that actually cares about the real things of life. And if he's a God that actually cares about the real parts of our life, then that means I should probably listen to him and have some consideration for what he says. And if I consider what he says, then that means I might need to submit to what he says, and I don't want to do that, so it's really not right for the church to talk about sex. She's telling him I can't stand this anymore. She's saying, I want you on me. Like, I, 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 I want, this, is, this is wild. She's saying, I'm on fire. I can't stop anymore. And his response to her is important because there's really two options he could have. He could say, like, let's get it on. <laughs> or he could be like, get behind me, you harlot, you, you <laughs> like, terrible person. He doesn't do either of those, actually. He chooses a third option. Here's what he says. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the deer, and the wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. Promise me, by gazelles and deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. Here, the word gazelles is in the masculine form, and the word deer is in the feminine form. So what he's saying is this promise me by the bucks and the does that you will not awaken love until it's the right time. In our understanding, he would be saying something along the lines of like, promise me by the birds and the bees and and everything male and female that you will not awaken this thing called love until the time is right. He's not saying shame on you for having these feelings. He's saying the right feelings, wrong time. My... As your pastor, my hope for you is that there will become a day in your life, whether you're young or you're old, and you're looking for love, my hope for you is that you would come to a place where these feelings erupt inside of you, and you long for somebody the way that she's longing for him, but understand you can have the right feelings at the wrong time. This is not a shame, shame sermon, this is a right feeling, but wrong time, right feeling, but let's Let's wait until marriage. Let, let, let's wait until it's time to awaken love. So this last and most important word when it comes to dating is this. Restraint. We regard them. We respect them. We experience romance. And then we have restraint. Restraint. Church, what we need is to be people that have a little bit of self-control and say, no, I will not awaken this in my life until the time is right. Young person, do not awaken love until the time is right. Middle-aged single person, do not awaken love until the time is right. Old person, do not awaken love until the time is right. If you really love someone, You will provide for them and you will protect them. And it is right when you really love someone to have passion and romance towards them, but it is also right to wait until the right time. I know this is old-fashioned, but what's going on in our culture isn't working. It's not working. So let's try something different. Let's try what the word of God tells us. He doesn't say it's a shameful feeling. He just says it's not the right time. Wait until you're married. Just as a wedding does not change your character, a wedding does not kick start your sex drive. Right feeling, wrong time. And if somebody was to tell you "Oh, sex outside of marriage is terrible, they're an idiot. According to studies, it's better in marriage. That's like when somebody, I've had people tell me, like, I tried drugs and it was no good. Like, you got bad drugs. (laughs) The the, the problem isn't if it felt good. The, The problem is, the problem is it's not the right time. Just because something feels good doesn't mean it's right doesn't mean it's right. Teenagers, listen to me. Middle-aged single people, listen to me. Old single people, listen to me. You were designed by God to not go halfway. Let me say that another way. You were designed by God to go all the way in this area of romance. This is why you wait until the right time. Because if you think fooling around with somebody and doing everything but penetration is gonna satisfy you, I'm telling you, you're gonna be miserable and you're gonna discover you were not made to go part way and stop. Let's be people of restraint. Building a relationship is is like taking wood and, and building a fire, stacking up a fire. It's a beautiful thing, it provides warmth and heat. Lots of benefits, but, but the truth is this. If we're not careful and that fire gets out of the fireplace and into the living room, it burns the house down. I went to Santa Rosa right after the, the, the first set of fires that went through, and I remember we were visiting a friend, and, and, and as we were there, it was just like nothing. No houses. Any, like, no houses as far as you could see. No houses. And the only thing that you could tell that there was a house, there were were chimneys. Just fields of chimneys. And can I tell you, we have a generation that is just fields of chimneys. When it comes to our marriages and our relationships, we've got fields of chimneys. And I'm telling you, it's because we take this thing called sexuality and we allow it outside of the fireplace. The Bible says it's a beautiful thing, but wait until the right time. Save it for marriage. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Wait until the right time. Wait until the right time. If you are here today and you're in a sexual relationship outside of marriage, this is not a shame on you sermon. But can I just tell you, like, if, if he really loves you, or if you really love him, that's fine, but you're not, you're not honoring each other the way that they deserve. Especially if you're engaged. If you're engaged and you're in the room, like the, the sex drive goes through the roof, and that's great. But understand that marriage is a covenant between you and God and another person. So if we value it, then let's honor it. Let's honor it. Kim and I experienced massive, I mean, massive temptation when when we were engaged. And people would say, oh, you're already gone up. I'm just going to say I'm glad we waited. I'm glad. Because I was able to honor something that we both value. And that is a covenant called marriage. My hope for you is that you would experience all the passion and all the excitement of romance, respect and regarding someone. But the purpose of this message is to tell you, not yet. If you're not married, the answer's not yet. Just hold on. Not yet. And so what that looks like in my life is, is I, I am never going to be alone with a person of the opposite sex. I would say if you're single, it should be the same way. It should be, if you're single, you're not going to be alone with a person of the opposite sex. You're going to be in public with them be around other people with them not alone I mean you you don't need to go to the basement I mean you don't need to sit on the couch while everyone else is asleep you certainly don't need to go on vacation with them I'm saying it's a beautiful thing not yet not yet natural desires are good and they're from God, and they're healthy, just wait until you're married. What what I mean is, parents, parents, if you have a a young person, stop trying to make them like you. Your job is to raise them to be a healthy, godly adult, not a best friend. So be okay with some boundaries. I'm saying, like, when I was a kid, I hated my parents for it, but I wasn't allowed to have a girl in my room. Hated my parents for it. No girls in my room. No girls in my house. I wasn't allowed to go to another girl's, like I wasn't allowed to go to a girl's house. I remember I tried to sneak away to Caroline's house. I told him it was Carl. My dad saw right through it. And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> hated him for it, but now I thank them so much for it. Thank them for it. Churchill stands. Let's practice restraint. This final, this final portion, what we're getting from this text is this: that this, this idea of dating and finding somebody is beautiful, that we regard them, we respect them, that there's romance. But we must have restraint and wait until we make a covenant with them and God. If you're in the room and you're hearing me and you're thinking, uh, it, is it too late for me? Like, I've already done things that, in this area that I wish I hadn't done. Like, what, what does that mean between me and God? Understand this. Here's what it means between you and God. He says to you, though your sins are like scarlet, I will wash you white as snow. God does not shame, condemn, wag his finger at you. What he's saying is, I will make you clean and new and fresh. But from this day forward, allow your life to be shaped by the word of God. Marrieds, I'm believing for some of you, you've let some guards down, let some things through the walls, and it's time to reestablish some walls in your marriage. Say, nope. Nope haven't done anything wrong, but I'm going to reestablish some walls because there's other stuff I do not want coming inside this. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray right now for those that are in the room who are married. They love love their spouse and they like them on most days. God, I, I just pray that you would reestablish some boundaries that we would learn that restraint is okay. God, that we would raise the hedges of protection, those, those henna hedges around the vineyards of our life, that we'd say, no, we're not going to stray outside of those things. God, I pray for the sixth grader that's in the room right now. Lord, that, that you, would, you would keep them, that they would guard their heart. Lord, that they, would, that they would have the kind of courage to live an uncommon life and not awaken love until marriage. God, I, I pray right now for, for those singles who are, who are looking for love, those, those people that long for, for love. Maybe they've experienced it in the past and they, they were looking for love. I'm praying that you would bring the right person into their life to reignite those fires. But God, I pray more than anything that they would have restraint. That they would be able to honor you in those relationships. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we're going to respond in worship. That's my that's my timer. When the air conditioner kicks on full blast, the building's about to. Just... Listen, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to respond in worship, and, and when we do this, I would just encourage you, if if you came today and you need prayer, maybe it's prayer about this, or maybe it's prayer about something completely different. Come down to our prayer team. They would love to pray with you and believe God for you. Uh, We're a praying church, so let's respond in worship.
0: Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.